Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. You guys awake? You good? Happy fall. Fall's here. I love the weather in the Midwest. Said no one ever. All right, so that's like, I was seeing who was going to be with me. Where's my Florida people? Okay. Uh, man, come on, 845. Let's go. You're acting like, do you identify as 1030 today? Oh, my gosh. Mm, man, no? Email one, Jamie zero. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm feeling feisty today. You guys, golly. Oh, I don't know that you're ready. Oh, gosh. Hold on. I better pray. Let me pray real quick because, yeah, a little sleep. Let's go. Jesus, God, we need you today. God, I pray that you would help us to see what is really happening. God, open our eyes. God, thank you that you've come to set uh, the captives free. God, to, to awaken us uh, to the truth of who you, were, you are and your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I mean, if you want, jump on the Uversion uh, app. We have our notes there. Um, what we're talking about, what does the Bible say? We're in this series. And, and this is the reason we're in this series. Uh, because we need to know what the Bible says. Okay, more than anything else, you need to know what the Bible says. Okay, because there's an enemy. And, and let me say this. The enemy didn't tempt Adam and Eve to murder, steal, or lie. Like, I think there's this mindset when it comes to the scheme of the enemy. And we think the scheme of the enemy is that he's going to tempt you to murder, steal, or lie, or cheat, or do something like that. The enemy tempted Adam and Eve to disobey the word of God. That's, that's what he was doing. That was his tactic. His tactic was question the word of God and we'll let it go from there. Like we know you're going to be little hellions from there when you're questioning the word of God. When you're saying things like, did God really say that? Is that, is that really true? Is that really something I should be uh, putting in my socket? Is that, is that truth? Like, like that is where we get in real, a lot of trouble. Okay, he's not tempting you to do some mass world culture sin big problem that we think is going on. Like, oh, it's just a big sin, little sin issue. No, he's getting you to stop obeying the word of God and he's allowing you to run from there. Come on, church, wake up a little bit. Come on, get you some coffee going. The enemy is not fighting you because you're weak. The enemy is not fighting you because you're weak or from where you're from or even your background. The enemy is fighting you because you have purpose. That's why the enemy's fighting you. And listen, when you don't understand that purpose, we walk around defeated. My biggest issue right now is not church attendance. It's not giving. It's not our small group numbers. It's that we're walking around with an identity issue of lacking purpose. That's what the enemy's doing. He's getting us. He's, we're not weak, you guys. We have purpose, and that's why he's fighting you today. And so we jump into Ephesians 6, and we start talking about the schemes of the enemy and how we, how we should be dressing and the things we should be wearing, the armor that we should be putting on. As we jump into this the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some really hard, difficult things. But it's ultimately, what does the Bible say about it? And Ephesians 6 says this, first three verses, 10 through 13. I'll read these three. A final word 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Can we be real today? The realness is we're more vulnerable than we think. We are more vulnerable than we think. Paul told the Corinthian church, if you think you are standing strong, be careful. What? Not to fall. What is he saying? He's like, listen, if you think you're standing strong, be careful that you don't fall. We're gullible. We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable against an attack. There's no rival moment. There's no moment where we can take it easy. There's no moment where we can coast. There's no moment where we can just put our guard down. This is the hour, and it's an hour of urgency. It's an hour of Paul's going at church. A final word, be urgent. Here's what has to happen. My biggest issue right now is that there's a lack of urgency in this hour. We're coasting. I find myself coasting. And when we coast, we think we're more strong than we are. And when we think we're more strong than we are, we become really arrogant. And then what happens? We fall. When I'm vulnerable, I become careless. We're careless. He told the Corinthian church earlier that these things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. He's pointing out the spiritual downfall of Israel. The reason we say share your story is because there are people that need to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of your story. We like to share the Instagram version of the good of our life. God wants us to share the ugly of our life. He wants us to share it because... So much of our story is a warning to people not to go there. That's half the battle. Half the battle is getting people to not be mutes and to speak. Share. About the most in-depth things that have happened to you. The places you screwed up. The places you missed the mark. The places that are embarrassing. God says share that as a warning to others so that they don't miss the mark. That's half the battle. Half the battle is sharing our story. The other half is getting people to listen. Come on, parents. Like half the battle is not telling your kids what they should be doing. Half the battle is getting them to listen. Like open your ears, kid. Right? You're saying things over and over. Does it bother you as a parent when you, you've said something over and over and over again, and then some punk comes along and says something that you've said over and over again, and they hear it? You're like, my God, seriously? Like, I've said that so many, whatever. Maybe you're getting it now. Well, the point is that we, that we learn. Are we listening to the examples before us? Wise is the man, the woman, the teenager who turns from the wreckage of someone else's sin only to look for similar cracks in their own life. Like, we tend to gossip about people who have fallen more than we learn from their mistakes. Like how many times, like let's be real if we can. Hopefully we can because we've all done this. How many times have you seen someone fall and you've rejoiced? How many times have you heard someone do, mess up? How about this? How many times has somebody you don't like's kids messed up and you're like, 
Come on, you gave that little arrogant nod like, yeah. You're not that great. What if when someone falls, our responsibility is, man, I don't, I don't want to fall like that. I need to learn from that. What if, what if it's, this is what Paul's telling the Corinthian church. You guys are talking about the Israelites like there's some people that, like, oh, those people, those people went around the same mountains out, you know, 40 years. I can't believe those people. Like, you're, you're talking about them like they're ignorant. Be careful that you don't do the same thing. Be careful you don't fall as well. It's a warning to us. I said something the other day at practice that I didn't even know how profound it was, and Hayes reminded me of it. He's like, wow, that was actually pretty good, and it's, it was more towards our team and how I think we play as a team, and it bothers me that they play this way. And I think we do this in our spiritual lives too. Our team tends to play how the defenders play. Like, we're going to play at their level, or if they go this way, we're going we're gonna to try to, we're, we're thinking offensively when they, based on what they do defensively. And as a believer, a lot of times we do that as well. We don't live offensively. We just go wherever the flow is, and let's just see what happens. And it's like, no, I, I need to live on the offense. Like, I need to be the one putting on the armor of God. I need to be the one being intentional. I need to be the one that's initiating things. Like, I don't need to be the one that, well, let's just see whatever happens to me and I'll deal with it then. No, I need to be the one that's setting the tone. I need to be the one that's getting up in the morning going, God, I'm doing the first things first and I'm coming after you first and foremost. Why do you think the, the, the devil is fighting you from getting up early? Why do you think the devil is fighting you to getting in God's word? He's fighting you because he knows what it will do in your life. He knows what it means. So we just resolve to be careful. We just resolve to crossing our fingers and knocking on wood, having the same attitude we've always had. And God's going, no. Satan wants to radically change your life. To which I would ask this question, like, like what... What area of weakness do you have? What kink in your armor do you have that the enemy is attacking right now? Like, we need to identify those places. Because if we're not careful, we will be careless. And if we're careless, then we're missing the point. If we don't talk about our weak, if we're not sitting in our small groups talking about areas where we're weak, then we think we're strong in those areas. And they can become a detriment to our lives. And what Paul is telling the Ephesian church, what Paul is telling the Corinthian church, what Paul is writing from prison, mind you, a Roman prison that he's been in for almost five years. He's a political hostage locked away by the Jews, from the Jews who want to get rid of him by the Romans who don't know what to do with him. They don't know what to do with him. He's in prison for five years writing a letter. Be careful. I'm warning you. There's an enemy that wants to defeat you. I'm locked up as a political hostage. And Paul, who is not a stranger to fighting, who's not a stranger to spiritual battles, he knows how easy it is for us to go on the defensive and to miss the mark. 
And he's like, church, I'm begging you. Put on the armor of God. It's a final warning. It's a call to act. It's imperative. What he's saying is, guys, it's a call to act in this hour. And who's he calling? Anyone with breath in their lungs. That's who he's calling. He's calling any person with ears to hear, with eyes to see, with a heart to follow, with breath in their lungs. I'll say this a thousand times. Stop taking yourself out of the battle. Stop acting like you have nothing to offer. I'm going to say this as loving in Jesus' name as I can. Stop being a baby. Can I say that? I better say it with my jacket off because I'm getting really hot. (laughs) I was going to Stephen Furtick throw it, but I can't do that. He's more jacked than I am. I don't know how else to say, like, we cannot go AWOL in this moment. Shoot, I think my phone was in there. But anyway, it's all right. It's all right. It's okay. Jeez. Hear me right now. You are not the source of this power. You are not the source of this power. Be strong can kind of sound like a, a pep talk. Like, hey, be strong. Be strong. You got this. I'm not the source of this power. On my own, I cannot defeat the enemy. I cannot, in my, in my own strength, I cannot defeat the enemy. This is not Jamie's power. This is not a will myself the victory. I, you, are not the source of this power. We have to understand that. And I would say this to all of us. We ought to be getting stronger. Like, you're not the source of this power. We ought to be getting stronger. We should be getting stronger. This is what the Hebrew writer says. And this is what you have been believers so long that now you ought to be teaching others. What's he saying? He's like, guys, listen, we should be moving along faster. We should be maturing. Like, we get this right. We get this physically. He's talking to us spiritually for a moment. Like, he's saying, guys, we should be, come on, guys, why are you still struggling with what you were struggling with? We ought to be, listen, stop being taught by others. You should be teaching people now. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Like, you're not the source of this power. You should be getting stronger. He said, instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic thing about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. He's saying to the church, this is the reality that he's saying. He's like, guys, come on. We should be getting better here. We should be growing. We should be inviting. We should be telling our story like, we're saying the same things. He's tell, like the Israelites, he was saying the same things. Like, guys, they went around the mountain 40 years. For, I mean, it should have taken 40 days. That Someone had to say to him, like, guys, come on. Like, let's look at their story as a warning. Come on, as a warning for us so that we can read their story and go, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Like, if you're, if you're not the oldest child in the room, where's my, where's my oldest child people? This explains a lot right now. Yep oldest kid. There you go. I'm not. I'm a middle child. You know what I had to do? Just watch my sister. That's all I had to do. 
Just watch my sister. That's, that's all I had to do. Like, I got the best parenting tips from watching how my sister was. I didn't, there are some things I did not do. She said certain things to my dad. I go, whoa, those pushed the wrong buttons. I'm not going to say those things. <laughs> I found out early on, whether you like this parent or not, I loved it. I mean, I, I kind of like it. I remember getting in the car with my mom, going to see if my sister where, was where she said she was going to be. There's no Life 360. This was old school right there. Kids, they would get in a car without a cell phone. Without a cell phone. I know that's it's hard for some of us older people to think about, right? You got in a car without a cell phone, and you went somewhere with no way of communicating, except maybe a pay phone with a quarter in it. Kids, a quarter is this... That was enough for me. I, I, I told my mom where I was going to be. You can ask Kelly this. We went on a date, me and her, and it was an R-rated movie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I looked over my shoulder the whole time waiting for my mom to walk into the room. <laughs> Kid you not. Yeah, she said because I'm a baby, but anyway. <laughs> What was the example? I was in the car when I went to Fairview Heights to see if my sister was at the movie she said she was. And when she wasn't at the movie and she was at a party, I thought to myself, I ain't ever doing that. (laughs) And when I did, it was probably the most miserable night because I was always thinking, where's my mom going to walk into this movie theater? Because she will pay to walk in this movie theater to see if I'm in this R-rated movie. I didn't didn't have to mess up. I just had to watch my sister. That's it. This is what Paul is saying. This is what the Hebrew writer is saying. Listen to the example of the people in front of you. Why are you not growing? Paul asked the Galatian church, you were running well. What happened? What stopped you? What stopped you from running well? Like, what, what went on that you were running this race so well? What, what was put in front of you that you stumbled? Like, what happened to you? And if we don't answer those questions, or if we ask, answer them wrongly by saying like, no, everything's fine, or no, I'm good, or all these things, you're lying. You're not good. Something did happen, and we didn't deal with it. We just moved past it like everything was okay when it's not okay. And then things start happening in our lives and we're like, why are these things happening? Because you left a door open to the enemy and he attacked it. He came after you. Why? Because there was an opening in the armor. There was a lie that you believed. There was something that happened to you that you didn't deal with it. And now you're under attack. Why? Because the enemy wants to steal, wants to kill, wants to destroy everything about you. And the more Hollywood or world can make it sound like it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous that we believe that some guy is in a red suit with a a fork with a stupid tail. And we, we can just think it's all cute and funny and he's laughing at us. Because we've believed a lie. We believe it's not true. Oh, there's not a devil that's really fine. It's yes, there is. Why can there be good but not evil? 
yeah, it's happening. So we ought to be getting stronger. Paul is saying, wake up, church. You ought to be getting stronger. Why are you not growing? Why are you a 45-year-old guy living? You've lived in church. You know everything that's going on. Why are you still drinking milk? Like, you, you should be leading. You should be pastoring. You should be leading other men. Instead, they're still leading you. Why are younger men leading you? That's what he's saying. He says, listen, here's why. Because we don't put this strength to test. We got to put it to the test. I don't just believe this word. We got to demonstrate this word. We got to see it come to fruition. The word, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul. It it means proven strength, battle-tested ability. This is not bodybuilder strength where you pump iron and then you look in front of a mirror. This is I'm building strength to get stronger so that when I'm tested, I don't fall. This is me behind the scenes when no one is watching, getting strengthened. And the only way I know I'm getting strengthened is when a battle comes. Like, the only way we know we're really good is if we play a competition. I can say we have the best team, the best athletes, they practice really hard, but if you never play a game, we've not proven a thing. This is what happens. We say things like, we're a great church, or I'm doing really good, or yes, everything's great, and then a battle comes, and we throw in the towel. We're like, oh man, God's really against me. He doesn't even like me. Those people don't like me. And we start believing all these lies. All these things are happening. We're going, guys, what's happening? Well, you're getting tested. And in getting tested, you're failing. But we can't say that because we care more about your feelings than we, we do your salvation. Jesus equips for hand-to-hand battles that come up when we put that strength to test. It's the reason Acts 1-8 is there. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, listen, the power that God gives us through the Holy Spirit is to fulfill the Great Commission everywhere that we go. And the Great Commission is that you and I get to testify, be a witness of what God has done. Like, that's the call. The call is simply that. Now, God is going to take you to incredible places for that call to happen, and you're going to need the Holy Spirit to speak. Because it's going to take great courage to stand up and speak. I also say it takes great courage to show up and listen. It's going to take the Holy Spirit, wherever it is that you go, wherever it is that he sends you, the location's going to change, but the call is the same. Everywhere you go, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness everywhere that we go, whether it's city hall, whether it's a classroom, whether it's your place of employment, whether it's a gas station, wherever it is that you go, the call is the same. It is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the witness of what God is in Jerusalem. That's where they lived. In Judea, which was the outer area. Samaria was the despised place. So wherever your despised place is. And then he says, and because you don't get it, because you're so stubborn, to the ends of the earth. He says that because you and I make excuses about the first three. 
Like, Jerusalem, oh, do I got to stay in this town? I don't like this town. I was raised here in such a small town. Everybody talks. He's like, yeah, Jerusalem, start there. Why? Because you live there. Oh, Judea, it's the outer area. I don't like Dubo. I don't like Cahokia. Do I got to go to Waterloo again? They get all the restaurants. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got to go there too. What about Samaria? Samaria, I avoid Samaria. Yep, go there too. Where else? Everywhere. Everywhere, you stubborn people. You milk eating, diaper-wearing, stubborn people. Like, grow up and just go. It's not in your own power. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's a real enemy. And that's what he's saying. He's saying there is a real enemy. That's why he says, I put on the armor to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. You are fighting a real enemy, church. And the real enemy is not your husband. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. I know he's crazy. It's not him, though. It's not your boss. It's not him. Your enemy, he's, Paul is saying, Satan himself, the evil one, the one who tempted Adam and Eve, the, the one who accuses, the one who lies, the one who's opposed to everything, the one who wants to corrupt, to turn you, to, to do all these things. He is the one. And when I read Luke 22, when I read Matthew 27, when I read Mark 15, and it talks about the thief on the cross. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite stories. Because it blows so many theology doors out the window. Number one, he has no name. Which is most of the people Jesus encountered. They had no names. Like, we don't even know their names. It was based on location of where he met Jesus. The woman at the well, she don't have a name. The thief on the cross, I mean, no name. Blind guy, leper guy, no names, right? No names. Because I believe that when he says, today you will be with me in paradise, the guy could not go, well, but this is what I did. When he's standing before God and they say, by what merit are you in this place? What merit do you belong here? It's not because he goes, well, I did this. I did that. It's not that at all. He said, because Jesus invited me. Jesus brought me. It's because of Jesus that I'm here. And like, we have to remember, all of us have to remember that. That the authority that you and I walk in is the authority that was given to Jesus by all authority God gave Jesus the power to do whatever Jesus, and he instilled that in us. That you and I get to walk in victory because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what I've done. It's not because of what you built. Not because of what we built. It's because of what Jesus did. He invited me. It also blows the mind that he had to go to growth track and start serving real quick. No, he didn't have to. He just went right to, right to heaven. I love that. His command was to stand. His command was to stand. And I think this is the most important thing. He issues a decree to stand and to get dressed. And we're going to talk about what dressing looks like, but not today because, you know. I'll say this. 
We've been reading this book for, it uh, feels like 10 years, but it's only been a year, I think. Live No Lies as, as a team. And this is what he says. And I just want you to just hear this real quick. The irony of writing about fighting our enemies in a book based on the life and teachings of a rabbi who taught us to love our enemies is not lost on me. And yet Jesus was a warrior. Ancient prophecies predicted he would be. He was the Messiah, long-awaited king. Unlike political leaders today in the ancient world, a king was synonymous with a warrior at the head of an army. Think of King David or Julius Caesar. In the U.S., we call the president the commander-in-chief, but would never let him within miles of an actual battle. That would be funny, actually. But in Jesus' time, the king was expected to be the one to lead the charge, literally. The expectation was this of Jesus. Grab a sword, rally the army, kick off war with Rome, use violence to, con- to seize control and power. However, for Jesus, our fight isn't against Rome. The barbarians to the north or even the corrupt Jewish people that supported his torture and death in the name of religion any more than our fight today is against Russia, ISIS, or the other political party. The war is against our flesh and the devil. Hear this. Hear this part. This is why it's absolutely crucial for us to recapture the idea of spiritual war. Because as long as we deny the reality of demonic evil, we will demonize people. The very people we are called to love and to serve. Instead of fighting Satan, we turn people or even entire people groups into Satan. And as a result, we do what the groups we despise are doing and thus not give the healing that is needed. It's the reason Jesus' invitation was to come and deny ourselves. Because the greatest tool the enemy uses, the adversary, the greatest tool he uses was the, the very thing that got him kicked out of heaven. Which was what? That I want to be like the most high. Pride. Pride. Pride is the reason we don't share our story. Pride is the reason we don't open our mouths. Pride is the reason I don't depend on the Holy Spirit. I try to do it myself. And pride will be the thing that keeps us immature. It always has and it always will. The strategy, the strategy against Adam and Eve has not changed. So when he's telling us to be warned against the schemes of the enemy, the plans of the enemy, they haven't changed. It's still the same plans. How do we keep a group of people thinking they are okay and they can do it on their own? Knowing that they can't. But when a group of people say, hey, This Holy Spirit has come to empower me to be a witness everywhere I go. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's my question. Are we walking in victory? And if not, why not? If God says he is victorious, if God says he's empowered us, then why am I not walking in that victory? What am I holding on to? What kink in my armor have I allowed an opening for the enemy to come and to attack? 
What am I afraid to say? What am I afraid to expose? What am I afraid to get out there in fear of what? People finding out? People finding out what? Your story? And God goes, I'm going to use people finding out to radically change their story because of your story. Come on, guys, picture this. How we defeat the enemy is we expose him for who he is. He's a liar. And so, yes, he's feeding lies to you. He's against you. So, yes, there's contention in your marriage. He doesn't like your kids. Yes, that is true. These are the schemes of the enemy. Would you stand with me right now? A little different if you're in this room. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just invite you. I'm going to just invite you to lift your hands. And the story of Joshua, and you can read all about it in Joshua 1. We know about the walls of Jericho. the plan that Joshua got. But there was a surrendering that happened in Joshua's life. And it was in that surrendering moment that God spoke to him this plan. It was a ridiculous plan. The plan was walk around this city for seven days and don't speak. And the walls will fall down. And that sounds ridiculous, but that plan came to fruition because Joshua was in a place of surrender. And I'm a firm believer that when you get in a place of surrender, God speaks. It's the most powerless position you could be in. It gives God the most control. And it's basically saying, God, do with me whatever you want. So my prayer right now in this moment of surrender is, God, first, can I, would you reveal to me and remind me that I'm yours? I'm yours. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. No guilt or shame. God, you've not come to give me condemnation, but you've come to give me life. And so I just come against the guilt and shame of the past. You're his son. You're his daughter. And it's also a reminder that God is for you and not against you, and he has a plan. And you need to receive this in surrender. That every single person in this room, God says you have purpose, you have worth. He wants the very best for you. And the scheme of the enemy is to tear that down, to take it away. And God speaks life into you right now and reminds you, you are mine. You are mine. In this moment, whatever you weakness you have, I just encourage with your own words to say, God, here it is. Whether that's an addiction, whether that's a mindset, maybe you've self-talked so bad this week 
you've called yourself failures or loser or whatever it is that you've called yourself, you've self-talked and you need to remind yourself right now that that is not true. Wherever you're weak, just give that weakness to the Lord because the enemy is using that weakness to try to get control of you and God says, not today. Not today. Well, for the person that is a warrior in this room, God is setting you free. You're a doubter in this room. You're a skeptic. God is setting you free right now. Person with no hope today, God is restoring your hope. Confusion, clarity is coming in the name of Jesus. Clarity is coming in the name of Jesus. On your own words, God, you are for me and not against me.